Hello, and welcome to this MGMA Industry Insights Podcast. I'm Craig Weberg, Senior Editor for MGMA. Today, I'm joined by Tim Smith, Principal with TS Healthcare Consulting, where he helps physician practices and health systems with a variety of financial management topics, including fair market value compensation planning. Tim is currently authoring an article series entitled Examining Losses in Health System Physician Practices that's being published in the MGMA Medical Group's Insight Newsletter. He will also be speaking at two sessions at the MGMA 2019 Financial Conference in Las Vegas that will be held March 3rd through 5th. His first session is titled Addressing the Financial, Business, and Regulatory Risks of of Physician Practice Losses, and the other will be titled On-Call Pay, Using Data Analytics to Calculate the Right Amount. Tim, thank you for for joining me today. Can you tell uh, the listeners a little bit about yourself, your background, and and your interests? Sure. Thank you, Craig, and thanks for having me on the podcast. I'm excited to be here today. Um, My background is I've been in healthcare for about 24 years now. Uh, before that, I was an accountant. So I was in public accounting for a couple of years and I was in industry accounting. Uh, and um, then I got into healthcare in the mid 90s. I worked for HCA uh, for 14 years. I worked in physician development. So there I had various roles. Uh, I was there in the go-go 90s when all the health systems were buying primary care practices. Uh, I used to do anal- uh, analysis and review of physician practice acquisitions for HCA. Uh, in the early 2000s, uh, my role became what I called undevelopment, uh, meaning I used to uh, sell off the physician practices. Everybody bought them and then they sold them all off. In the early 2000s, learned a lot about how to do deals by having to unwind a lot of deals. Uh, and then in my role in the mid-2000s really shifted towards a compliance one. HCA was under a CIA at the time, and I actually led HCA's um, fair market value compliance program for outside valuations, Uh, and I I managed that program, designed all of the control features on it. Um, HCA with the CIA had to get a lot of outside valuations, so I set up some quality control over that area. Uh, I, I loved valuation so much, I just decided to go be a valuator. And really, for the past 10 years, I've been a professional business appraiser uh, with a focus in compensation valuation. Uh, and I've uh, co-edited, co-authored two uh, books, or it's the, a book with a second edition, actually, on physician compensation. Uh, the current version is up to about 1,400 pages, has 42 authors. Uh, so it's a great community-based book from different uh, thought leaders within the industry. But I really focus on the value of physician compensation. That seems to be where my career has taken me uh, with a really uh, focus. And I, I do a lot of thought leadership uh, and a lot of uh, major conferences, writing and so forth about how do we think about physician comp, how do we break it down into its constituent components, and really how do we think about this at an evidence-based level? Uh, there's a lot of, um, so we say, rules of thumb out there. You hear a lot of popular thinking. But uh, I, over the years, I've done a lot of in-depth research that often shows that a lot of the popular ideas just don't hold up to scrutiny once you really start to dive into the numbers. It sounds like you are definitely uh, have a lot of great experience um, with the rise and the fall of the hospital owned practice and the rise again. So that's kind of how I'd like to shift and frame this conversation that we're having today. I'd like to talk about your article series that you've been writing for us. 
in your session on the financial conference, uh, specifically talking about the financial business and regulatory risks of physician practice losses. In your first article in the series, the title was, uh, uh, was Physician Practice Losses, A Tale of Two Owners. You look at the MGMA data dive data and show that median losses for system-owned practices range from between 100,000 to 400,000 per physician, depending on specialty. These numbers, when viewed without context, they, they seem really alarming. I mean, how can that be sustainable? It's very interesting if you look at this data, and, and, and by the way, I've been a analyzing the question of practice losses going back to 2012. Uh, the first presentation I did at a conference uh, was in 2012, and um, I began looking at the MGMA data for net income loss per FD physician and also per work RVU, per total RVU, the various cuts of the data that DataDive provides to users. I was able to look at that and begin to study that and, and begin to try to think through it. And, and I think the first thing we have to recognize is there's always a story behind the numbers, right? You can't just look at the, the numbers necessarily and, and always make uh, broad generalizations. We have to drill down into it a little further. And the, the couple of things really emerge when you look at that data. The first is that the physician practices, the physician-owned practices, generally all break even or make money. And the health system or hospital-owned integrated delivery system practices uh, generally lose money, although not all of them lose money. And there's always that top decile or 10% above the 90th, uh, maybe sometimes above the 75th percentile, that actually break even. And if you make money, and so I think the first thing we have to say is the story that everybody loses money in their practices is actually not true. Um, there are a few that don't lose money. Um, but when you talk to people at conferences and in the industry, I think the, the feeling is most people lose money. And that's what the data tend to show is that most lose money. Um, the big question we have to begin to ask ourselves is, well, why is that? And I would say as we approach that question, the first thing you have to do is, Stop looking for a simple answer or a one-size-fits-all answer, because I think the reality is when you begin to think through why do health systems lose money, a multitude of causes uh, emerge. Multiple reasons can be giving contributing to practice losses. And in fact, it, can, it, it, it may not just be one, and you may have a health system that's got five different things that are contributing to its losses. But approach the question with an open mind and go where the data points you and where the analysis points you. Uh, I think that's the first thing we have to do when we look at this, this data. But we do have a trend, at least in the MGMA data, which anecdotally people tell me is kind of their own experience with their health systems, is that these practices lose money. So we have some sort of you know, systematic issue going on that we need to begin to think through. So we've established that some, but not all, physician and physician practices lose money. Uh, the data points us in that direction. So that's curious. Uh, my, my obvious question is, why would that be the case? You know, are, are there practices out there that have a magical uh, silver bullet and know how to make money? Or is it, again, you're saying it's more complicated than that. Like, what are some of the key drivers of that? Is, that, is it their financial accounting systems or does it go beyond that? Well, I think it's all the above. <laughs> um, 
you know, the basic formula is pretty easy for a practice loss. It's revenue less expense. So somewhere on the revenue side, and you have to look at all the drivers of revenue, and somewhere on the expense side, and you have to look at all the drivers of expense, somewhere in there, um, the economics have gotten off where they no longer, uh, you know, add up to a profit or at least break even. So you have to really begin there and work your way through all of the dynamics. So um, when we look at the revenue side, um, some of the typical things that emerge are questions of, um, well, let me back up. Let me stop on that. I think one of the key reasons why physician-owned practices don't lose money or break even, at least not over the long run. Sometimes they do in the short run. They have to go get a bank loan, typically, to, or, or use capital they've already accumulated to, to, to subsidize or uh, fund that loss. But in a physician-owned practice, physician compensation is always self-adjusting or self-normalizing, as I call it. So basically, we all call, we call it eat what you catch, eat what you kill. You know, totally. I always say not the patient. That's probably the really bad figure of speech. Eat what you kill. Um, eat what you catch is much better. But uh, eat what you treat. I've heard that. But that formula economically is self-adjusting, right? So you, you take home whatever you generate in terms of net earnings. That paradigm has really been the historical historical prevailing paradigm for physicians. And even today, it's still the prevailing paradigm because the majority of physicians in the United States are employed in physician-owned practices. One of the misnomers that keeps getting repeated in the industry is that the majority of physicians now work in health system practices. Um, based upon the studies that attempt to do a statistically representative sample of U.S. physicians, One's put out by the AMA, another's put out by the Physician Advocacy Institute. You can find these online. Um, they indicate that only about 42% of physicians in the United States work in health system-owned practices. Now, physician ownership of their practices, I believe, has dipped below 50%, uh, if you look at some of those. But ownership in the practice is not the same as working in a physician-owned practice. There are apparently a bunch of physicians who own the who don't own the practice but work in physician on practices but anyways getting back on track the prevailing paradigm for physician compensation is what you catch which is self-adjusting when we come to health system practices the paradigm for physician compensation shifted to using survey data and there are there are different issues involved in that shift and why it's happened but the um you no longer have that self-adjusting mechanism in the economics of the practice. And I would say that's, that's probably the most immediate cause that comes to mind because the, the compensation isn't adjusted. Now, why isn't it adjusted? Well, there's lots of reasons for that. But one of them is that health systems will take a physician practice and operate it differently than physicians would have operated when they owned and operated it. So physicians are typically going to manage their business to maximize the earnings and deliver, at the same time, deliver great quality care. That's what they do. They're healers. And they're going to make decisions about where they're, you know, uh, what locations they're going to have, what services they're going to offer. And so, you know, what level of payer mix they're going to accept from different payer groups. And 
they're going to craft a practice based on those choices. Health systems view practices as really one component of a larger continuum of care. Uh, that's part of being, uh, you know, in an integrated delivery system. So they often will choose locations. They will choose, you know, patients, uh, a patient base based on payer class um, and, and service mix that support the health system more than the practice. Uh, and they don't necessarily seek to maximize the earnings of the practice, uh, but rather the overall integrated delivery system. And once they make that move, that then starts to change. It can change the revenue line. It can change the expense line for the practice. And th those are two, uh, I think, key factors that we can look at at a high level. Now you can you can drill down further, and we'll do this in the session. We won't do it all here today, but in the session we'll drill down further into each of those, um, where things like service mix and, and revenue um, issue cycle issues and overhead issues suddenly play out differently once the health system gets a hold of the physician practice and begins to operate it differently. So my question to you is, should physician practices and health systems care about these numbers or specifically should physician practices care about these numbers? And do these numbers create organizational issues between the systems and the practices? Sure, Those are, that's a great question. And that's really one that I think the industry is beginning to struggle with. And I, I think the reasons for um, it becoming an issue is first of all, it's it's got a, a regulatory compliance, really a regulatory enforcement uh, issue because we've seen in the in what I call enforcement actions that go on for regulatory compliance, um, those are uh, primarily whistleblower cases or QTAM, uh, to use the technical legal term, uh, cases where uh, claims are made that physicians are being overpaid in order to reduce uh, induce referrals, you can see this in the cases that have gone over in the past several years. This has become a primary issue, that, or it has become an issue, I should say, along with other issues um, that is focused on. And in 2015, there was a sweep of cases. There were several cases um, that came out where practice losses figured very heavily in the arguments that were used by the whistleblowers uh, in, in asserting that the compensation that was paid to the physicians in those health system practices um, was in excess of fair market value and not commercially reasonable. And if you read, for example, the whistleblower complaints, there's, there's just a flat out claim of it's not reasonable to do this. Um, there was also a ruling on a motion to dismiss by a judge in a case in Texas called the Citizens Medical uh, Center case, where the judge um, said that the presence of practice losses, along with giving doctors pay raises, um, really raised some issues about whether the compensation was fair market value, and he ruled to let the trial proceed forward. That wasn't, he didn't make a ruling that you know, this is what he thought and therefore made a ruling on the case as such, but rather just said, let the case go forward to trial and let's have a battle of the experts uh, in a trial over whether or not these losses made sense. So you've got that going on. You've also got with, with the reimbursement 
squeeze, if you will, on hospitals, and particularly a lot of the smaller health systems, the more rural, you know, critical access hospitals. Um, these reductions in, in uh, reimbursement, uh, primarily from Medicare, are making health systems take a step back and say, from a financial stewardship perspective, can we continue to underwrite these losses? Um, boards of health systems are beginning to ask questions about what, why, why do we keep losing money and can we sustain this? So there's, there's that part of it, I think. Those two forces have really uh, put this in play, uh, I think, in the past several years where people are looking at it more seriously. Is there anything that can or should be done to influence these numbers? Has anybody... You know. Absolutely. Yeah. And here's what here, here's what I'll be talking about the presentation. And, and here's what I want to say to the industry is this isn't this is not an issue you should ignore. You should not simply ignore it and say, well, we always lose money, shrug your shoulders and walk away. We'll talk about there's a lot of risk and there's long term risk. And as, and as I uh, uh, will talk about in the session, believe it or not, there are implications for the move from volume to value in practice losses. Now, it's interesting. There are some folks in the industry that think that the physician enterprise as a separate standalone business unit is going to disappear in the move from volume to value. And therefore, practice losses just goes away as an issue. Uh, and so, just, you know, you can blow it off because in, you know, in three years, it's not going to matter or five years, it's not going to matter because physician practices as an enterprise are simply going to be gone. Well, um, my response to that is, well, maybe one day, but we ain't there yet, right? We've still got a lot of years before that may or may not be true. And in fact, quite frankly, only until we get into um, global budgets, will the physician enterprise as a standalone uh, type of enterprise not be a viable economic entity? Uh, and that's years down the road. And you've got issues now. Secondly, there's an economic orientation where if you're, you've got to be looking at what your doctors are doing and the payer incentives on the revenue side for value-based payments. If you're not paying attention to those, and I think the practice losses ignoring uh, approach plays right into that. So we'll, we'll leave that as a teaser for the, the presentation. So, but there's regulatory risk and so forth. The first thing you've got to do is say, we're going to look at it and be willing to say, we're going to address the issue. Now, addressing doesn't mean that you're going to ultimately, in all cases, end up breaking even. There may be cases where you do lose money. But the first thing you need to do is understand, why are we losing money? And go through an appropriate financial analysis to be able to identify the sources of your losses. Once you've done that, then you need to think about what is the appropriate response. In some cases, the response may be, well, let's fix that. Maybe we have some economic inefficiency in our organization. Let's fix that. Remember, the financials are information to operators that are supposed to give them signals about how to manage the business differently. And I think we, always, we have to think about the financial statements as, as a communication system, as a data flow system. And what we have to do is separate noise from signal in that system. So responses may be, let's fix some things. 
some responses may be that we, we need to go out and, and improve in other areas, you know, on the revenue side, for example. Um, it may also be that we realize that we are making decisions for the good of the health system. Um, and like, for example, we may be supporting community need by um, the types of patients that we see. If we choose to have a high degree of Medicaid or, or self-pay, no-pay, as people often call it, uh, for our practices, there's an economic cost to that. By identifying and quantifying, by the way, if you can't quantify it, in my opinion, generally speaking, you haven't identified it. Right? And that's, I'm an accountant. That's what I do, right? I'm a bean counter. Um, but I, you know, people like to talk about this stuff in generalities or platitudes, as I often call them. They, you know, they throw out general, we're mission-driven. Well, I know a lot of mission-driven health systems that have fantastic payer mix, right? That's not the issue. Um, you've got to drill in and identify and quantify what those reasons are. And then you've got to be able to say, is this, are we, are we, you know, are we losing this amount of money because of our payer mix? Because that's something we do to support the community. Are we losing this amount of money because we're just not efficient? Uh, or are we losing this amount of money because we have not been negotiating strong commercial payer rates for our physician enterprise? We've been using the physicians as a bargaining chip to get better, you know, hospital inpatient, outpatient revenue. Um, you've got to go through that and, and respond. And once you get through with that, you'll at least have, you'll understand your losses and you'll either be able to remedy those that you need to fix, or you're going to be able to essentially defend um, and support what you think are justifiable. So my hope is that people begin a process of analyzation and understanding why they're losing money. Um, some of the issues about is that defensible from a compliance standpoint get very, very challenging and kind of beyond the scope of uh, what we're doing here. Um, but I, you know, health systems, I think, have got to step forward and begin to analyze, identify, quantify, and evaluate. And the days of simply ignoring practice losses, um, I think, are gone. You do so at your own financial peril, at your own operational peril, at your own uh, regulatory enforcement risk peril. Okay, that sounds great, Tim. And I think you did a really great job of making the argument of why people need to look at this information and, and some steps that they can take to begin the process. I think with that, I'm going to close it today. All right. Thank you, Craig. It was great to be with you. Thanks again so much. Thank you. Before we close, I'd like to remind you that Tim will be sharing insights like these during his session on March 4th at the MGMA 2019 Financial Conference in Las Vegas. That session is titled Addressing the Financial Business and Regulatory Risks of Physician Practice Losses. To learn more about joining us in Las Vegas, visit mgma.com events. If you want to read more about this topic in Tim's article series, go to mgma.com insights to sign up for the MGMA Medical Group Insights newsletter. Tim, thank you so much for your insights today.